Good morning. We are back. It is 4.03 a.m. November 4th. I do not believe I am saying November 4th. This is uh, Dean Larratt, to some Dr. Dean. Uh, this is Bedtime Stories with Dr. Dean. I, uh, <clears throat> I did it again. I did not do a podcast for five weeks. And uh, my girlfriend finally said to me, stop apologizing. Every month you apologize and do the same thing over again. You give us a podcast and then you apologize a month later. And um, she said, stop apologizing. Either do more podcasts or, um, and in defense, uh, in my defense, I, I need to accumulate things in my head. I need to look back on notes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I wrote a uh, one-man show many, many years ago. I have yet to put it on in front of a live audience, but it's a really, really cute show, and it's basically the chronology of what I've been explaining to you over the last 11 episodes. I should let you guys know that have stuck with me. Uh, and I, I'm blown away by the support and the uh, uh, DM messages, direct messages on my Instagram. <clears throat> Excuse me. Almost like I had like a frog in my f- uh, throat for a second. But I'm blown away by people that uh, hit me up uh, from actually all different places around the world, like uh, Australia and the United Kingdom and just a lot of different places, and of course the United States, saying, uh, keep putting this out. This is funny. This is good. This is interesting. Um, But this is Bedtime Stories with Dr. Dean, episode number 12. And I was saying, in in my defense, I look through this um, 130-page one-man show, uh, which is way too long to put up in front of an audience. Um, That would be like that would be like two hours and 20 minutes. People would be like, I got to get out of here. Um, <clears throat> but I, 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 I have to go through this stuff to, to sort of make bullet points as to what I want to discuss and what I want to talk about. Um, so that's, that's basically why I always end up apologizing and, you know, I'm just, life is busy. You know, life is just busy. Sometimes I ask myself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing a podcast? Everybody and their mother has a podcast. Uh, my mother is putting a podcast on. No, I'm just kidding. But um, everybody's doing this. But uh, I'm just overwhelmed by the, uh, was that the proper word? Over, I think overwhelmed by the support of people, and I, I see the numbers of people that listen, and I just find it to be uh, just, I don't know, I, like my girlfriend says, well, just keep doing it, you're getting people to listen, so I don't know, just I'm just going to keep doing it, and I won't apologize anymore for how long it takes for me to get to the next episode, uh, Apparently, I must be doing something, something right with the conversations that I'm having uh, with myself and with my audience uh, because they they are listening and I look at the numbers and it seems to show it. So with that said, let's get uh, moving forward. 
November is already here. I cannot believe we are three weeks away. What is it? The uh, Today's the fourth, so 21 days. Uh, usually Thanksgiving, I guess, will fall out on a Thursday. So I think it's going to be, it's going to fall out on the 30th or something. I, I don't know. I can't think offhand. But uh, I just don't believe we're three weeks away from Thanksgiving. It's just just mind-boggling. And we're two months away from, from 2020. I, I, I just, I don't know where the time is going. I'm, uh, my girlfriend and I have this conversation all the time. And uh, I should just say, instead of saying my girlfriend, my girlfriend, that sounds, that sounds like what every girl says to every guy who's attempting to pick her up. Every girl always says, well, my boyfriend and I went here, and my boyfriend and I did this, and my boyfriend and I do that, and my boyfriend and I... That's what women go through on an everyday basis. They use that phrase, my boyfriend and I, my boyfriend and I. So I'm not going to use the phrase, my girlfriend. Um, I'm just going to say Carmen. So Carmen and I, um, we always talk on Sunday night when she's getting ready to go to sleep kind of thing, another week. We always go, Monday's coming, and another week is starting. So I guess the good thing is, you know, you got Monday night football, and this tonight should be a yeah, fun game. I don't know about a good game, but a fun game. Dallas Cowboys uh, head to New Jersey to play the Giants. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I think Dallas will figure out a way to win the game, but whatever. Um got a lot to talk about. This is going to be this, as I've informed you guys in, in episodes uh, 9, 10, and 11, we are starting to get to to the nuts and bolts. We're, we're starting to get to some good stuff. Like It's going to really start getting fun and interesting. Uh, for those of you people who write me uh, directly at uh, drdean125 uh, on Instagram, uh, that have said to me, this is fun, this is interesting, I can't wait to see where this goes. Uh, it's going to start really getting a little, it's just bizarre. I, I, you know, sometimes Carmen and I, we talk and she goes, wow, you've, you've had a, a bizarre life. Hasn't been the success that I expected. Um, I do well with the chiropractic, but it hasn't been the success in the road that I, the path that I thought I was going to be and the uh, path I chose, but it's been odd and it's been bizarre and it's, uh, and you're going to hear all that because this is where it starts to, starts to get interesting. Um, So let's just discuss a little bit what's going on in the world and then we'll get to the other stuff and, uh, knock out another 58-minute podcast, and then uh, put a few little advertisements in so that I can uh, eh, make a few dollars, you know, a couple of bucks here and a couple of bucks there with the the podcast. So let's see. Uh, Big UFC fight last night, I guess Saturday night, I should say, Madison Square Garden, Nate Diaz, Jorge Masdeval, uh, that was a great fight. Um, they stopped it, uh, what I thought a little bit premature, and most people are thinking that, uh, including the winner, um, Jorge Masdeval. Uh, it was stopped by an eye doc- uh, by a doctor, uh, I guess a New York State uh, doctor uh, certified for the fight, and he just felt that uh, Nate Diaz. Uh, was on the verge of potentially damaging his uh, right eye. 
And uh, I mean, was it a be, being a doctor and everything and seeing stuff and knowing a little bit about the body? Was it a, a pretty brutal uh, uh, contusion or a cut? It was pretty bad, but the thing about Nate Diaz, who's uh, just an, a, a warrior and a brawler and just just great for the sport, I happen to like Nate Diaz. Um, I get a kick out of him. He's just he's just an interesting guy. Uh, I, I would say you have to understand that this guy always cuts. He just has a lot of scar tissue in that area of his of his face, and he cuts. He cuts when he gets to, when he gets a little uh, you know it, uh, tapped a few hundred times uh, in the uh, course of a, of a fight. Uh, he he's uh, he he like he like he says in his press conferences, "I'm a bleeder, man. I bleed." So um, I think that it could have. Uh, I think he was totally competitive, totally willing to go out there. He didn't seem phased by the cut and. Uh, but the doctor stopped it, and that was a little bit of a disappointment. That was after three rounds, and I believe that he was losing the fight uh, at the end of the third round. But I started noticing. First off, he's a guy who's known for late rounds uh, in in wearing his his opponent down. But I started noticing that uh, he was starting to make a comeback. It was it was changing. The, the slight slight tides were changing, so that was fun to watch. And um, a lot of good fights that night. Uh, I can't think of them offhand. I know Derek Lewis fought, but uh, not uh, and he uh, he got the win. Um, but I can't remember. And I think Darren Till fought, uh, and he got the win. Um, so I think that's his name, Darren Till. So I happen to like the UFC. I've always uh, enjoyed martial arts and. Uh, all that uh, good stuff, and it's just uh, it's interesting to watch. What else is going on? The Patriots lose tonight. The Patriots lose against the Ravens. I knew something was wrong with that spread. Patriots laying three. I think it was three. Uh, eight no team going into Baltimore. Uh, they always play tough with each other, but I I sort of thought no way I, I wouldn't gamble or bet to save my life. Um, that part of uh, my podcast will come up in probably about, eh, probably around another 10 or 12 uh, podcasts um, down the road, uh, the gambling portion of my life. Uh, but uh, for now, no, I wouldn't go near that stuff. Um, but yeah, the spread in Vegas was three with the Patriots today. I... I, I there was something I didn't like. It just smelled fishy. I just I didn't like it. And the other game, uh, my team, the team that I happen to like for a long time, and uh, a lot of my close friends will vouch for me that I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. Um, I don't know. I don't know who played today. I don't know who played today. They just did not show up against the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I just I. I that was not a team that looked like they could make it to the playoffs. They will most probably because of their record and everything. But what I saw today was, um, uh, you know, I, I, I that was mind-boggling. So I watched a little football. Anything else that we need to discuss in football? Um, yeah, how about the Miami Dolphins? Miami Dolphins getting uh, getting a win today. Uh, 
So both teams are one and seven and one and seven now. They beat the Jets. So uh, both teams are, I think, if I remember correctly, the only team that hasn't won a game is Cincinnati. If I remember correctly, Cincy is the only team that uh, I guess is 0 and 7 or 0 and 8. I can't remember. I think they had a bye today. But um, so that's it. Football is, you know, and that's another amazing thing. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying uh, 8 and 1 or, or 8 and 0. Or, I don't believe this football just started. I, a couple of podcasts ago, we, we discussed the opening of football. We're going into the ninth week. Uh, the Patriots are eight, eight and one, right? So I think that's I, I think it's I think they're eight and one, not seven and one. No, I think they're eight. No, they were eight and zero oh going in, and they're eight and one. I cannot believe there's seven weeks left of football, and then it starts playoffs. I, 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 this is the stuff that I have conversations with my girlfriend. No, with um with Carmen. And, uh, and other close football fans that, you know, we're just talking about the kickoff of the season, and now we're in the ninth week. So it, it's mind-boggling, and uh, that's it for football for now. Anything else I can think of in football? San Francisco 49ers are the only team. Yeah, San Francisco is still, is still uh, yeah, still undefeated now that I think, yeah, they're still undefeated. So that's, uh, they squeaked one out. They won by three. That's, uh, that's interesting. So they're, yeah, they're the only undefeated team, if I remember correctly now that I think, yeah, that's the only undefeated team. And what else? Um, I guess that's good for the NFL right now. Let's talk a little baseball. Um, uh, how about, how about the only time in any sport whatsoever, if I remember correctly, Joe Buck and saying it, yeah, and Dave Schmaltz, I think, uh, saying it, um, the only time ever that, that in a series, a, an elimination series, whether it's for the division or for this or for the pennant or for whatever, or World Series, Stanley Cup, any kind of playoff that has a certain amount of games, um, not a one-game elimination, obviously, no team has ever uh, participated in a seven-game series in which the home team lost every game. It's I, I can't even figure out the mathematics behind what that what how that occurs. Um, that to me was just mind-boggling. Uh, Houston Astros and the Washington Nationals. Um, so the Nationals won the first two games in Houston. Houston goes to Washington Nationals, wins the next three games, and then the Nationals come back to Houston and win the next two. It is, it, it's, it, it will, like Schmoltz says, the pitch, the ex-pitcher for the Atlanta Braves, he says it will never be done again. It will never happen again. Um, and he's probably right. I mean, the home team lost. That means when you go to a game, you live in Houston, and you go to a game, uh, one, two, and then, yeah, four games. You go to four Houston games in the World Series. Okay, you live in Houston. You go to 
four games. You're a season ticket holder, and you got tickets to all four World Series games. Every game you went to was lost. You go to Washington for three games. You live in Washington, D.C. You go for three games, and every game is lost as, as a Washington national season ticket holder. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the most bizarre thing. I, I noticed it after game four. I told a few patients of mine. I said, are you aware now that four games have gone by and neither home team has won? And that's when I started noticing Joe Buck and a couple, and a couple of the commentators saying something. I'm not saying that I you know, invented the wheel, but I started to notice this. I don't know if I've ever heard of anything like this. And um, so that was interesting. Congrats to them, to the Washington Nationals. It's it's just amazing to go, excuse me, slight little, um, almost a belch there. Um, It's just amazing to to go to a team's uh, home stadium, especially game six and seven, especially game seven, and you win. And it's funny because I watch the games, I always tape the games, and... uh, I uh, and Carmen was watching the game uh, at her place uh, live as it was occurring. But I was in the office, and then I went to Whole Foods and did a couple of things. And by the time I got home, I start the games, my uh, and I skip through the commercials. And you know, it takes a, it really reduces a lot of time in the game. But I told her, uh, she said she happened to tell me that I think in the seventh inning or something, it was still two nothing or something. And I said, if, oh, I think it was 2 nothing earlier. And, and somebody, patient of mine, told me what the score was, so I wasn't angry at anybody you know, saying to me what the score was. So usually I'm like, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. So um, one of my patients happened to say, I looked at his phone in my office. I said, what are you looking? He goes, ah, I'm checking the World Series. I said, ah, do me a favor, what's the score? And he said, 2 nothing." And I remember telling Carmen, like in the fifth inning, I was like, I was like, is it still 2 nothing?" And she said, yeah. I said, that's good. If it's 2 nothing, the Nationals can catch this team. I said, as long as they're two runs uh, in the ball game, they've got a good shot at catching. She goes, really? You really think so? 2 nothing lead with game seven? And I was like, yep. That team is a late-inning uh, scoring machine. And sure enough, I think they, what, they went 6-2. So congrats to the Nationals. I think we covered all the sports that need to be covered. Wow, man, I, I talk almost 19 minutes already. Uh, it's just, I, wow, it's just amazing. It's like, uh, comes from like the stand-up years, all the years of me doing stand-up. Uh, it just 20 minutes goes by and, and you're sitting here looking at all this material that you want to cover. So we got about 37 and a half minutes to go. And uh, I got some good stuff for you today. So uh, uh, this podcast should be pretty interesting. Um, I'm just thinking, is there anything else we need to cover? Um, Oh, one of the things I I was telling Carmen about was the other day I went to one of my storage. uh, Well, it's only, I only have one, but it's uh, one place. But uh, it's a pretty big storage thing that I have. And... um, I was telling her that I have comic books. Well, we were talking about baseball. And I said, did you flip baseball cards or did any of your brothers flip baseball cards in Connecticut when you were growing up? No, not really, not really. I said, well, I was, we were pretty big baseball card flippers uh, when we 
grew up. And for those of you who don't know, uh, you take baseball cards and there's a certain way to flip cards based on the color of the card. It's very, it'd be difficult to explain right now. But um, I was explaining to her that, and I never told you guys this uh, in the earlier podcast, but when I was a kid, 1977, when Star Wars came out, um, we were, uh, me and Dan and Len and a few other guys, uh, I think even Greg and Dean Polsky, um, we were big, and yeah, Kent NG and a couple of other people, we were all big comic book collectors. And I was telling her that I have thousands of dollars worth of comic books in plastic bags that have never been opened, uh, special comic book bags that you buy that keep them preserved from 1977. So I have like, I, I have like 10 Star Wars number one Marvel comics, and um, it was a 35-cent uh, comic or a 30-cent comic back then. I can't remember. And they're worth like $200 each. And she's like, are you serious? I, and I go, yeah, I was going to leave them to my children. Unfortunately, I never fathered. Uh, well, maybe fortunately. I never fathered any children. So um, it's just crazy. We, I just Something I forgot to discuss with you guys. And I said, you know, I should, I should share that on the podcast. And I don't say, I'm not saying this in a bragging, braggadocious or braggatory way or whatever. Um, it's just... She was like, you really? I said, yeah, I have. And I have about a few thousand dollars worth of baseball cards from the 60s. From 1960s, 65, I got old baseball cards and a full series of Topps baseball uh, chewing gum cards, what they used to call. They used to come with a thing of chewing gum. I don't know who was the whack job that came up with that thing. Hey, let's uh, sell baseball cards and... uh, Got to give the kids something when they purchase the cards. Uh, what do you think, Bob? Um, I don't know. Maybe a sticker of the team. Nah, not a sticker of the team. Uh, of a couple of teams. Nah, that's stupid. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe a coupon for a dollar off on a baseball on your local uh, baseball stadium. Uh, nah, that's crazy. Uh, what do you think? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Stick of chewing gum? Stick of chewing gum. Hmm. Not a bad idea, Bob. So that's what they used to do. They used to give us, um, uh, you got about 10 or 12 baseball cards or 17. I can't remember what the number was, but you got that. And then you got a stick of chewing gum. Uh, So that was... um, that was uh, something I told her I wanted to discuss with you guys, that I was an v- avid, avid comic book collector. I had Star Wars 1 through, uh, it was like, I think originally 1 through 6 or 1 through 7, and then it went into Star Wars, the new saga. I have all these. I have the Incredible Hulk 102, which is a huge transitional um, uh comic book for the Incredible Hulk series. That's worth big money. Um, it's just mind-boggling. And I and they're all in plastic bags. They're all literally um, the same texture that they were in 1977. Uh, I used to go to the comic book conventions, uh, Phil Suling's comic book convention in uh, Manhattan. Uh, it, was, it was insane. I used to use the Overstreet comic book um, 
guy to tell you how much something was worth in mint condition, good condition, fair condition. Uh, and I worked in a comic book store. I forgot to tell you guys that. I worked in a comic book store uh, called Discount Books uh, right next to the AMP in my old neighborhood and uh, in Queens. Literally about, I would say, no joke, I would say literally about 500 feet from where, we, where I grew up. Um, so I had a 500-foot walk, and that would uh, take me to this insane comic book store owned by definitely either serial murderers or uh, they were they were an odd odd group that owned the comic book store and uh, and uh, they they used to pay us and <laughs> they used to pay us in comic books oh my god it was crazy crazy time so that's something I wanted to share with you guys just so you knew that I well you know I did have a, a, a childhood it wasn't just smoking pot it was uh, distance running uh, at around 13, 14, and 15, getting into distance running. And then, uh, and there were other things besides just smoking pot. Um, but comic books was a big thing for me. Uh, Peter Parker, the uh, spectacular Spider-Man, I had one through 25 or whatever. Uh, they're all in plastic bags. And I don't know, maybe one day. I mean, I don't know. Maybe one day, uh, what do you do with them? Uh, they're, they're definitely valued. They, there is value. Uh, um, what do I do? Do I you know, go to a comic book store? They're all over the place here. Uh, do I unload them? I mean, I was originally, that was the plan when I was 16, 15, 16, 17 years old. Eh, one day these things will be, I was, this is what I said to you know uh, anybody when we would all sit around and talk, you know, uh, the people that I collected comics with, um, be like, what are you going to do with them? You know, eh, they'll, they'll go to my kids. I'll will them to my kids, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, that never happened. So I don't know. I, I got to figure out what, what would I do with this? So, uh, that's it. Just something I was talking with Carmen with. And I was like, you know, I'm going to talk about that on the podcast. All right. So I've covered that and, Oh, okay, a couple of little... Yeah, I realize, yeah, there is something else I want to tell you. I did... Um, I went to see The Who. Roger Daltrey, uh, Pete Townsend, um, uh, Ringo Starr's son. I can't remember his first name, but last name is Starkey. Uh, I think it's Mike, Mike Starkey. I think, I think. He's the drummer, and, I for, and Simon Townsend is the other uh, guitar player. That's Pete's brother, younger brother, Simon. And what an evening. What an evening. I went, they were here at the Hollywood Bowl. They were here October 13th, 20, uh, wait, 13th, 15th. No, no, no. They were here 11, October 11th, 13th, and 24th. I went to the 13th Sunday night, and I went to the 24th. And um, just had a great time. Went with a few friends to one night and a few friends on the other night. And... Uh, um, just a great, just a, a, a just two fun nights, just to sit and listen to some music, catch a little buzz with a little, uh, a little, little couple of beers, and just a, just a good uh, good time listening to them. And they, he's Pete seventy four, yeah, Pete seventy five, and Roger seventy four, and uh, 
I'm so happy that Roger has his voice back, and um, apparently he worked with a world-renowned vocal coach to get his voice back. I can't remember what his problem was, whether it was throat polyps or, believe it or not, some sort of cancer. I don't remember, but it was something not good. And uh, thank God he you know, worked with somebody who got him back to hit these high notes and uh he was there was they were amazing they were amazing i'm not the kind to go to a movie twice uh bruce bruce springsteen shows i usually tend to go to as many as that he has you know if he plays three nights at the uh uh, at a a place i'm gonna go all three nights but i usually don't do that um except for bruce and uh yeah that's pretty much it except for bruce uh um but uh, I said, you know something, I'm bored, let's go, let's go hang out and watch The Who for two nights. And the weather was really nice at the Hollywood Bowl, and it was fun. So with that said, uh, covered a few things, and uh, that's it, really. So let's get back to um, what last I left off. This is so perfect because I'm at the 29-minute mark. This is just great, the way this, the way this thing times out. Um, just it's just perfect you know sometimes i sit and i go how am i gonna fill an hour and i'm like you know give me a break but um so i left you guys and i'm sorry to say it was september 22nd five week five and a half weeks ago i left you guys um leaving with the desire to leave brockport uh by now between 82 and 84, I had become a pretty avid runner, mostly out of um, combating uh, depression, uh, as I had no problem uh, admitting to uh, suffering with depression a good portion of my life. And um, uh, I found running at an early age. And uh, I began to, I was doing a lot of running in Brockport, Five, about five, six, seven miles a night, eh, four, five, maybe six days a week kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I was a young kid. I was uh, eight, uh, 18 years old, and uh, I was able to run on pavement back then. I can't do that kind of distance anymore on pavement. I just can't do it. I, just, I don't have the, the knees anymore, and it just disrupts my spine. But um, Brockport just got too cold. It just got too cold. I was getting the flu every two and a half, every three, four weeks in in the wintertime. And, um, you know, you run, you go out and run six, seven, eight miles uh, at nine, ten o'clock at night. And, you know, you're going to be drenched. And it's, you know, you're talking, you know, eight degrees uh, with a wind chill factor of minus ten. And uh, it's just, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work running in the snow. So, I was getting, uh, I'd get the flu every two, three weeks or three, four weeks, whatever. I'm, I'm probably exaggerating. It's probably be like more like every two months. But it was there, and I was getting it. So um, uh, probably should have, I don't even know if back then the treadmill thing was a big thing. Now that I think about it, I don't recall seeing a treadmill at any of the Brockport gyms. There were two gyms in Brockport, and I do not recall seeing a treadmill cardio station that's interesting now that i think about that so brockport i finished up in mortimer hall and i started getting wind of about i don't know i think it was about five or six people that were talking about going to another 
to another school. They were going to transfer us to schools. Um, I heard Julie Ritter talking about it. Lisa Douglas talking about it. I think Laurie Wexler was talking about it. Um, just a few people. I heard, you know, uh, Michael Weiss, uh, my good friend at the time, um, uh, talking about it. And I... Uh, I don't know. I started, and I became close with some of these people, and I, of course, obviously very close with Michael Weiss at that time. Not as close with him now as I would like to be, but, you know, that's just the way life goes. But uh, um, Michael uh, and I spoke about it, and uh, at this point, we are living together in the suite uh, in uh, Mortimer Hall uh, in, in Brockport. And... Uh, Finally, I was able to convince my father that uh, everybody wants to go. Some of the people that I'm talking to, you know, uh, Dad, are uh, they're all going to University of Maryland at College Park. And uh, I've worked hard to get my grades up, and my grades were now good. And um, I don't know how I pulled it off because, uh, I mean, obviously with loans, but um, that my father took care of. But, you know, it was, I think it was back in 84, if I remember correctly, I think it was 7000 a year, which was a lot of money back then. Because uh, you got to remember, when I was going to Brockport, my father wasn't really spending a lot of money because we had state residency. So this was a little bit different. And uh, I can't remember what Brockport was, but I begged, borrowed, and pleaded with my father. You know, I said, I got to get out of here. It's too cold. And... And I, you know, always sick, and and you know, there's just not a lot of people from downstate New York up where I'm at, I'm living, and um, you know, which is in sandwiched in between Rochester and Buffalo, and I think I think what I did was I think I made a deal with my father. You take, you know, help me out with this. Uh, we'll deal with the loans later after I graduate. Whatever, we'll figure it out, and. I think I think what I put on the table to him was, I will work, because those of you who might have listened um, to the previous podcast, I did not work in the two years I was at Brockport, and I do not know why. I have had dreams about this. I've had um, actual dreams where I am always destitute poor in Brockport, and I... Um, uh, how can I say, uh, I, I can't eat for a few days because I'm waiting for my father's downstate check to transfer over. And this is not in the days of PayPal or anything else. This is 1982 and 3. And you have to wait for a check to clear. Uh, this was a whole different ball game, And I still have these crazy dreams of you know, not having money on my student account to, to eat. And this stuff was actually happening to me. And I, you know, I'd borrow $8 from somebody to get through the next, uh, 10 days to, to eat. It was, it was ridiculous. So I made a deal. I think if I remember correctly, I think I said to my father, if you help, you know, if you, um, you know, go for the money with this, I will, uh, I will get a job. And you will not have to send me any support money while I'm in school. So I guess my father just, you know, waited out 
and said, all right, well, you know, the money I'd send them, all right, let me see, eh, let's see, blah, 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 all right, you know, uh, let's do it, it's only a few thousand more a year, um, let's do it. So in September, uh, so June of 80, uh, uh, so I, you know, I finish up my school at Brockport, two years, uh, May of 84, uh, I decide to uh, obviously go back home to Queens, and I spent the uh, the summer uh, working at Bennigan's in Great Neck. I can't recall how I pulled this off, but for some reason, I was able to go back to Bennigan's. I can't remember how I did this. Uh, I thought I worked at Bennigan's prior, like when I was like 16 or something. I could be off on the chronology, but somehow, some way, I got I was able to go back to work. Uh, in the summer of 84, which was a very cool summer, by the way, because in June of 84, uh, Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA album is released. And uh, Dan, um, the guy that I no longer talk to, he I'll never forget, he comes uh, uh, to my uh, mom and dad's house, the apartment on 184th Street and um, in Queens, and in his, uh, I think, relatively new Z28, if I remember correctly, Camaro Z28, good-looking car. With a, uh, he had an Alpine system in his car. This was a big. This is like that was a, considered a great system. And he comes out beautiful Saturday morning. I think it was a Saturday morning, and he comes out and he's blasting "Born in the USA." Uh, out of his Camaro Z28. And I come downstairs, out onto the street, and I'm like, is this it? And he's like, yeah, I just got it. I just got the album. And we're sitting in his car, and we're listening to, uh, to Bruce's new album. And uh, so that was, a, that was a really cool experience, you know, just, uh, just the whole thing of seeing, you know, uh, listening to a new Bruce Springsteen album, which, by the way, when I first listened to Born in the USA, the first, the album, not the song, I was not blown away um, by it. And then I started listening to it more, and I was like, well, Born in the USA is going to be a huge, huge hit. Uh, Glory Day is going to be a huge hit. And I started, like, figuring out which songs were going to just explode. And it was, uh, it, was, it was interesting, very interesting, you know, sitting down with him in the car. I remember this and just... You know, what do you think of this song and that song? It was just, uh, you know, Dan and I were pretty pretty big, you know, Bruce guys. We were into Bruce. And I don't think, I don't think he toured that summer, if I remember correctly. I don't think the tour came that summer. I think it came, uh, I, I definitely saw Bruce, we'll get to that later, but I saw him in the, in, when I went to Maryland. So, you know something, it could have been, it might have been because he, was doing Born in the USA at RFK Stadium. So it might have been, um, uh, he might have started the tour in, in, uh, when I was leave, leave, <clears throat> leaving to go to Maryland. Excuse me, I gotta take a sip of water. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So Bruce puts out the album, and uh, that, was, that was pretty much the summer album that we listened to going to the beach at the beach um 
whatever we were doing, it was, it was born in the USA, which pretty much was a, a pretty big thing back then. So uh, that was a great summer. I, if I remember correctly, I worked with Dan at Bennigan's. He took a job. Also, I think I got him in, uh, in Great Neck, Long Island. And uh, uh, I was no longer at the movie theater, which was 1982, um, uh, down the street from Bennigan's in Great Neck. But uh, <clears throat> I got a job waiting tables at Bennigan's. And I was making a few dollars and... It was great because at nighttime we could uh, go out to the bar across the street. There was a couple of places, mushrooms and a couple other places in Great Neck and, you know, have a couple of drinks and then go to the Scobie Diner or something for food if you wanted. It was just a, you know, cool summer. And um, I had kept in touch with Michael Weiss uh, and we agreed uh, when I got accepted officially to University of Maryland, and then we called uh, Spring Hill Lake Apartments in Greenbelt, Maryland, uh, and Mike and I agreed that we would live together in a uh, two-bedroom, uh, uh, I want to say, base, I, you know, basically, uh, I hate to say this, but cockroach-infested um, apartment in uh, Greenbelt, Maryland, and uh, where most of the uh, New Yorkers uh, who from Long Island lived uh, in school. And um, so Mike and I kept in touch over the summer. He had his friends from Long Island, and obviously I was busy working and running around my friends from Queens. But, you know, we were still pretty tight and speak on the phone, and, and we agreed that we're going to live together. And... Um, I guess come August, late August, uh, we agreed to get a U-Haul and we are going to, Mike is going to bring the U-Haul from Roslyn, Long Island, where he lived to, uh, my place in Queens. And then we'll drive down to Maryland, you uh, University of Maryland. And, um, <clears throat> We find out when we get there that the apartment isn't ready. But the, the best part of the story is that Mike and I both went out the night before we were moving to Maryland. I didn't have much stuff to bring. I had a couple of, you know, uh, boxes and and uh, I slept on the floor in the living room that night. Um, uh, in my parents' apartment because it's just, you know, just had some boxes and clothes and, you know, I didn't have much. I just, you know, there was not many possessions, you know, so didn't even have a stereo or anything like that. So we just, you know, I just took clothes and, you know, that kind of stuff. So it was a pretty easy uh, um, uh, situation. So with that said, um we both stayed out super, super late that night. I think I got home. It was 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, and Mike was going to pick me up at around 8 in the morning. The only problem is is that Mike stayed out till about 4 in the morning with his buddies. And I will never forget, this is one of the funniest things, we drove uh, down to Maryland in the... 18 foot or whatever it was. Yeah, it was about 14, 18 feet U-Haul. 
and we drove down. We drove down from New York City. So that's uh, Darlington County. No, we drove down to University to Maryland, uh, College Park, Greenbelt, Maryland, which was about three miles from College Park. And um, Mike would fall asleep at the wheel every every I would say every five to six minutes. You know, uh, as he as he was driving, he did not sleep that night. He if he got an hour, it was lucky. But he, um, he would fall asleep. And the worst thing that sucks is when you are the passenger in a car and you think that you can sleep because your friend says to you the night before, nah, don't worry about it. You can stay out late. I'll, uh, I'm going to get home in a decent hour and I'll sleep. So don't worry, you're fine. And, and then sure enough, he decides to stay out all night long with his friends and gets hammered and drunk and stoned whatever you know you do back then and um that was it he uh he was nodding off and it was that typical nodding off where you know your head gets like it starts to you know like i'm doing it now that you guys can't see but you just starts to shake your head just starts to shake and you're trying to wake yourself up you're trying to wake yourself up but your head just keeps shaking. And and I have one eye open looking, and I'm like literally grabbing the steering wheel from him until finally I said, Oh man, all right, get it, get 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 out of the car. Get, get let's pull over and let me drive this car. And I haven't slept either. But we got a four-hour drive, you know, no matter how many ways you look at it, New York to Maryland, four hours. So that was a funny, that was hysterical because we were just laughing the whole way. And just that night we were just laughing at how the absurdity at, at what we both did, how we drove down there. We were hysterical. And it was just something that years later we would talk about, that famous four-hour drive where each of us was falling asleep at the wheel. And it it was so uncomfortable. It was just so uncomfortable. So... We go there. This is where it gets sort of funny. We go there, um, and we get to the leasing office, and they say there's been a slight problem. The your apartment won't be ready for about seven or eight days, and we're like, "You're kidding!" And they're like, "No, it won't be ready." Ba 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 ba. And I forgot what we did with the U-Haul. I think we might have. I think they might have said something like, you can drop your stuff off, you just can't take possession yet. Something, something. I don't, I, or, or unless we might have just left the U-Haul in, in the um, parking lot. I don't know. I can't remember. But either way, we had to go, and this is hysterical, we actually had to move into a sorority house. Um, Mike knew this uh didn't she, i think cheryl went to my school i think cheryl went to brockport there was a girl named cheryl goldman who lived i think she was a maryland yeah she went to maryland if i remember uh, no she went to brockport with us if i remember correctly and i think i think she went yeah i i wow i'm having a little bit of a of a what do you call it of an amnesia thing i think she went to brockport and she she joined a sorority, if I remember correctly. 
I think. I, this, is, this is rough. Either that or he knew her from somewhere else. And, and she was already in the sorority. And she somehow, now listen to this. This is 1984. This shit would never fly now. But two guys moved in to a sorority dorm uh, filled with, there got to be 65, 70 women in there and two guys. We lived on the, uh, uh, I think I slept on the floor in Cheryl's room or I slept on, I, I can't even remember. I, I, we were getting transported into different rooms each night. Each night, a different girl would take us in, you know, uh, two girls shared a room. And, um, oh, it was just, it was absolutely insane. And, oh, uh, just, just absolutely crazy. But what we, we were literally the first set of bosom buddies. And I don't know how we pulled it off. I don't know how the, the head sorority person, I guess what's called the, the RA, the resident assistant, whatever, the one that's usually a couple of years older than everybody, uh, or as I like to usually say, the, the, the one that is the failure uh, uh, in the college who is staying for a six-years or seven-year plan, because um, they're usually a lot of, they're usually older than us. They're almost like, you know, uh, matrons, you know, in a movie theater. But so we were like the first bosom buddies. I think it's before, I don't know if it was before Tom Hanks and, and uh, the other guy that was in that show, but we were literally living for, it was probably about eight, nine days. But the cool part that happened was as we were living, I can't remember what it was, Alpha, Alpha, Tep, Epsilon, I can't remember, but it was a female sorority. And uh, yes, I ended up fooling around with one girl. And, um, uh, oh, it was so funny. That's another funny story, but we'll do that another time maybe. But the best part was that they were filming right outside Fraternity Row. These girls all lived on Fraternity Row. So there was houses and houses and houses in a horseshoe shaped uh, that were the sororities and fraternities. And we, they were shooting the movie St. Elmo's Fire with Rob Lowe uh, um, on Fraternity Row which was a huge, huge football field-like um, plate of, of, of grass. And he was, you know, uh, I mean, it was huge. Uh, trucks all over the place. And they were shooting it there for some, by some crazy coincidence during the time that we were living there. So I would go out of the sorority, and somehow I was throwing a football around with... Um, with uh, uh, Rob Lowe, I ended up throwing a football around during takes, uh, during photography, um, you know, uh, when they were lighting the shot. I got a chance to throw throw the football around with, with Rob Lowe, which I thought was, uh, was pretty funny. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, living at the sorority was absolutely crazy. So finally, Mike and I, we move in to our apartment, and I run into... A guy um, whose name, may he rest in peace, his name was Kevin Sway White. And uh, he went to school at Brockport. 
I knew him from a few classes. Eh, probably saw him a few times at the bars, but never really great friends with the guy. But he ended up, uh, I run into him while I'm going to get books at Maryland. And uh, Maryland's going to be a, a lot of great stuff. We're almost finished with this episode, but Maryland is going to be a lot of fun to talk about, and that will occur in the next episode. But um, Kevin Swayward, I run into him, and uh, I said, uh, excuse me, you're the, did you go to Brockport? He goes, yeah, yeah, you're Dean, right? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, what's your name? He goes, uh, I'm Kevin. I said, that's right. I knew you from a few classes, but I couldn't, I just couldn't remember. But you transferred down here? Yeah, I transferred, blah, blah, blah. And uh, somehow, some way, I saw him at the housing department. I said, what are you doing? He goes, ah, I'm trying to find a room uh, to crash out. And I go, are you serious? And he goes, yeah. And I said, why don't you live in my room? And so Mike and I, uh, Mike took the small bedroom. He wanted to live by himself in the room. He did not want anybody in, the, in, his, in his room. He wanted a, a single by himself, which was great. And we ended up, you know, splitting the rent uh, now three ways. And I think I got a little bit more of a discount because Mike had the only room. And um, it was crazy. It was just absolutely crazy. It was now a third person in the room. And um, I didn't really know who this guy was. I just knew he was from Brockport and uh, came from a good family and all that stuff. And his father was like in the hotel business. And his father brought us all sorts of hotel furniture. So we didn't even have to furnish the place. He just, all of a sudden, a truck shows up from one of this guy's, from one of his father's like hotels that he owned. And he... And we just had everything we wanted, you know, the kitchen chairs and this and the table and couches. And it was just hysterical. It was just, it was a very weird, weird time. And um, so we moved in and that was September. And yeah, that was September of 84. And it was, it was an amazing place. Maryland was Maryland was just phenomenal. We were this was College Park, Maryland, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful place. I only have the most amazing thoughts about this part of the country. It was, uh, you know, it was located by about forty, fifty miles south of Baltimore, and it was like twenty minutes north of of, of Washington D.C. So we'd go into Georgetown all the time, and I only have about three minutes left, but we're gonna have some good interesting conversations on the next podcast. Um, so we go to uh, Georgetown and, and tell you a little bit about the school. I think it was the third largest college in the country at the time behind, behind Wisconsin and I think Ohio State or Michigan or something. But it was one of those that had 45,000 students in 1984, by the way. We had a killer football team. Uh, we had Boomer Esiason there. He was there. And, uh, and we had a huge Greek fraternity. I was not part of that stuff, obviously a sorority. Um, and we just had just a beautiful campus and beautiful girls walking around all day long. And none of them were wearing down jackets and, th- and t- Timberland boots like they were in Brockport. So it, it's, it's going to be a great um, conversation that I'm going to have with you in episode 13. But... Uh, I decided to stick with my major, and uh, I stayed uh, uh, in uh, in the business uh, school, and decided to stick with accounting. 
And even though I didn't see myself as an accountant, and uh, neither did anybody else for that matter, but uh, Michael Weiss uh, decided to bail from accounting because he got a 37 on his first intermediate accounting exam. I got a 55, and uh, I still can see Michael Weiss's shoulders and his arms and his head twitching when he has the results of his exam in front of him on the desk. And I see him crying from laughter. He is crying from laughter. And I see him and I go, what are you laughing at? And he goes, I got a 37. And he just went right to the to the bursar's office or wherever it was. And he just announced his major as marketing. And I got a 55 and I decided to stick it out. And I worked hard uh, on passing intermediate accounting and I got through. So we're going to wrap this up. Um, I stayed with it. I give Mike ton, tons of props for bailing uh, because the guy at least knew that he was not right as an, as an accountant. And, uh, and we're going to get into all sorts of stuff uh, on the next episode when I really, really start uh, getting into some interesting stuff with you guys. This is going to get really, really fun now. Fun and, believe it or not, a little bit sad because we're going to touch uh, pretty in-depth uh, um, about when Len Bias the number two pick in round one draft of the 1986 NBA draft who uh, died um, literally the night uh, the night that he was pretty much the, within 23 hours or 21 hours after he was drafted. So with that said, um, and we're going to get into some very interesting stuff about that, and then we're going to start talking about how I started realizing who I needed to be in Maryland and where I thought my life was going to go. So it's going to get real, real fun. Uh, and, uh, I hope, uh, I hope you guys listen and, uh, thank you for, uh, taking the ride 57, almost 58 minutes. Thank I got to get some, uh, sponsorships loaded and, um, thank you so much. And we'll hopefully see you in less than a month. I hope so. And, uh, just uh, everybody have a good uh, good week and a, and a great Monday, and uh, let's all stay safe and healthy and try and laugh. Just try and have some have some laughs. <laughs>